And we remain seated for our first reading from Jeremiah. The reading can be found on page 783 of the Bible. It's Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 to 6. The Righteous Branch. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous saviour. This is the word of the Lord. Stand for the Gospel. The Gospel reading is taken from Luke 23, verses 33 to 43, and can be found on page 1060 of the Church Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divide up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the Gospel of the Lord. So Lord, speak to us now through your word in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please take a seat. Well, a weird reading for a strange day. Uh, Christ the King is the last kind of day of the Christian year.
uh, because next week we go into Advent, you've got Advent Sunday, uh, and we start our journey towards Christmas, and we remember all the last things, but that's for next week. Exciting, isn't it? Uh, But this is uh, the ending of the Christian year, when we remember Christ the King. For those of you who've been in very long-term Church of England, it's the one that was called Stir Up Sunday, when you put your Christmas puds and stirred them up and that sort of stuff. Um, uh, but it's kind of been rebranded for, to help us think about what it is that holds our faith together as we start the Advent journey. Who is this Christ the King? Uh, and the counter-intuitive reading we just had is, of course, a Good Friday reading. So what's that about? Why are we reading about the crucifixion of Jesus uh, and at the same time thinking about Christ the King? And of course, it's because the Christian faith works backwards. Now, you may not have thought that's what you were signing up for when you thought you'd get confirmed, but you're signing up for a faith that is completely different from the world round about us in how it understands things. We've been subjected over the past weeks Uh, to a whole series of uh, demonstrations of how people see power and rule. You can have the Trump version, which doesn't tell much truth and and glorifies uh, the Donald Trump brand, uh, and that was the one that succeeded. Uh, It's not a very pretty version of rule or kingship or presidency, uh, but it's one version. Or you can have the Clinton version, uh, technocratic, experienced, I know everything, Uh, I've been there, Uh, I'm the electable one, and that one failed. Another version of rule or kingship. Uh, And we've had competing versions of that on this side of the pond as well. We don't have to go into them. But the fact is that when Christ said he's the king, people didn't quite get it. And they didn't get it because what was going on was Jesus was revising kingship uh, to make us understand what it means to live under his rule. And what you're doing at confirmation is you're saying, I want to be someone who's known as a follower of Jesus and to put myself under his rule. And there are three little words that are springing out of the narrative in this passage, which help us see a bit more about that. The three words are Messiah... King and glory. Jesus is crucified. We know the story. Uh, It's horrendous. Uh, When we reflect about it on Good Friday, it kind of uh, brings us into a situation where we're feeling really uh, at the lowest point of our faith. That's meant to be how it is. Jesus dies. It's a horrible death. But in the midst of it, people accuse him of various things. And those three words flow around. The first is Messiah. Uh, You're the Messiah, you can save yourself, they say to him, as he hangs on the cross in agony. Messiah, of course, was a word that was full of content for people uh, who knew their Jewish scriptures. Uh, Messiah was the word that meant he was the one to save his people. The Messiah that the people of Israel were looking for was a Messiah who would come in and deliver them. Uh, uh, He was the one who was going to save the people uh, from their domination, uh, in this case by Rome. Uh, You're the Messiah, save yourself and save us. Uh, And Jesus hanging on the cross in weakness, in suffering, undermines that and calls them back to a different understanding of Messiah. 
Because what he does and what he makes connections with and what the gospel writers help us see is that the Messiah who comes is the suffering Messiah. He he channels Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. He says, if you're expecting a Messiah who's going to do the deliverance thing uh, and change the world with a stroke of his sword, you're wrong. Because it's by suffering and by death uh, and by being humiliated that this Messiah will come. So you're putting yourselves under the leadership, the kingship of somebody who knows what it means to suffer because the pattern of Christian life is that suffering and death uh, are the starting point. But then, of course, after suffering and death come resurrection and hope. And then the second one that he subverts is the whole idea of the king. Uh, They hang this great big picture over the cross. This is the king of the Jews. That's what he claimed, wasn't it? Uh, He'd taken all these claims for himself. And of course, Messiah and king are very similar uh, in their etymology and where they've come from and what they're meaning for us. And he says, yes, I'm the king of the Jews, but not in the way you thought. Uh, The coming king, the one we'll celebrate in Advent, is a very different kind of coming king. Because he's been the suffering Messiah... He's also the one that comes with power and glory, and we'll come to glory in a bit, Uh, but he's also the one who comes uh, to claim our allegiance in a different way. To say you want to be marked out as a Christian, to be confirmed, is to say, I want to be the one who understands that Jesus is king of my life, and he'll do in my life what he wants to, but he'll only do it as I let him. He doesn't impose his will upon you. He's not the kind of king who says, I'm an authoritarian. Do this or else. He's the king who brings love and says, if you want to know what it means to serve me, you will love uh, because he'll transform your life by love. And that kind of kingship is pretty hard to find uh, throughout human history. Most kings, most queens, and don't hear me being Republican here, though you know I am, Uh, But most kings and most queens uh, are people who are tempted not to show love. Uh, We have a great example in our current queen because she is someone who serves by service and grace and love. She's pretty different from most of them. But go back through history uh, and there's that authoritarian strand in kingship. And service and love is what you're getting into. Sorry, there's a bit of a a, a kind of... um, A health warning I have to give you here. Uh, Because as Jesus calls us to love, he calls us to love our neighbour. He calls us to care for those round about us. He calls us to work for justice. Uh, The king of love is the king of love who makes our lives a bit different. So be prepared to be transformed as you serve Christ day by day. You already know this. Your confirmation is just you saying yes to what God's already doing in your life. Because the king comes and he teaches you to love. And he says, that's the way the Christian faith works. That's the different thing. That's what's so countercultural. Yes, you can hang a sign above his head saying, this is the king of the Jews. Uh, but that king is going to have a different demand upon your life. Uh, and then the third thing is that he also talks about glory. And again, glory, uh, it's not celeb glory. It's not talent show glory. It's not, hey, look at me, how wonderful I am. It's not famous for 15 minutes. The glory Jesus shows is permanent, it's transcendent, it's transformational. 
it says to the thief on the cross who acknowledges him, yes, you're right, you've acknowledged who I am, and you're going to be with me in glory, in paradise. The word is, is interchangeable. This thief, who's recognized who Jesus was, says, have mercy on me when you come in your kingdom. Uh, and Jesus says, yes, you're all right. You're all right now. Uh, well, not very all right, because you're dying. But you're all right now because you're secure with me. And you're all right now in the future, in the timelessness beyond death, because you are with me in glory and you share my glory. And the glory of Jesus Christ is not about self-glorification. It's about the glory we enter into as God transforms us. Hey, you know what he's going to do in your lives? He's going to transform you from glory into glory. That's the, that's the future of every Christian. It's an amazing thing. Uh, God is still at work in you. He's going to keep doing stuff in your life. And you're not the only ones because we're all like that. If we're Christians, God's making his work in us and transforming us from glory into glory. The coming king is the one who shows us what glory is really all about. And the glory that shines out from a Christian whose life is lived in communion with Jesus Christ is a fantastic thing. By your life, by your witness, by who you are, others will know that Jesus is real in your life. Three words, and they're all different. They're all reinterpreted. They're all transformed. Here is God in Jesus Christ saying, if you want to know what life's all about, uh, it's Messiah, it's King, it's glory. I love the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Uh, it's a great story. C.S. Lewis wrote this, uh, and everyone argues about whether he was really trying to tell us the Christian story or not, but it's pretty clear to me the Christian story is in there somewhere. Uh, and those of you who know the story will know that Aslan, the great lion, uh, lays down his life, is killed, uh, and when he is killed by the witch, the witch thinks she's won, uh, but Aslan comes back to life again in what must be a pretty clear picture of Jesus Christ. And Aslan says this when he comes back to life. The witch knew the deep magic. There was a magic deeper that she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who'd committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table, that was what Aslan was killed on, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. What the Christian faith does is it works backwards. Uh, and it works backwards and redefines those words, Messiah, King and Glory, to help us see what Christ the King is really all about. Welcome to the backwards faith. Because you're part of this amazing transformational faith in Jesus Christ, which changes the world person by person, bit by bit, moment by moment, and builds his kingdom in the world. God bless you as you come to be confirmed. Amen.